It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome, everyone, to this Sunday edition of BAMS Radio as we review the 17-3 to win in Tampa, Florida for the University of Alabama over the South Florida Bulls. Certainly wasn't a work of art. Probably reminds me a lot of the 2014 win in Fayetteville, Arkansas, which was a 14-13 to win quarterbacked by Blake Sims. That Alabama team kind of gelled after that game went on to win the SEC championship and make the college football playoff, bowed out to Ohio State, the eventual national champion in the semifinals from the Sugar Bowl. But this team uh, in in the 2023 season has a long way to go. Going to be very interesting next week or so as Alabama gets ready to open SEC play at home against the very hungry Ole Miss Rebels. And Lane Kiffin and uh, Wild Turkey Pete Golding, they are going to be uh, like kind of like sharks. They call themselves the Land Sharks. I'm sure there's going to be blood in the water. This Alabama team uh, not playing up to their potential or capability. A lot of questions about the quarterback position. Uh, even after this last game, Tyler Buckner gets the start, uh, performs poorly. Uh, you know, some of it not his fault as far as the offensive line struggles, but he did throw inaccurately, uh, had some tough luck, missed a, about a 50-yard TD to Jermaine Burton by inches, was replaced for the last two and a half quarters or so by Ty Simpson. Ty Simpson, uh, you know, played okay. He and, he and Buckner, the one thing you can say is they protected the football. Ty made the one explosive pass play, 45 yards to C.J. Dupree, and then directed uh, all 17 points and two touchdown drives to get the win personally. I think he did enough to earn a start against Ole Miss. I think Jalen Milrow should be in his stead uh, as the backup quarterback and uh, with a, a very real chance to get another opportunity to play. Uh, certainly Dylan Lonergan still needs to be being developed, but just not sure with his, with his uh, weird release, the mechanics, and then some, it looks as though a lack of zip on his passes. You know, a person I respect uh, talked about his footwork, but I'm just not sure Tyler Buckner is a fit for what Alabama is trying to do. Uh, so we'll see. But it's going to be a very interesting next seven days or so and week of practice. And we're going to talk about that and more with our usual cohorts, Thomas the Wizard Watson Mobile, who's keeping us on the air and uh, doing a great job. Going to have some of his analytic thoughts and just takes on this Alabama team that's a big-time work in progress through three games with a two-and-one record. And then William Redfish Barger from 89 to 93, a member of the Crimson Tide, and of course a national champion who has uh, the pulse of the program. Uh, William, uh, I brought up 2014 Arkansas. That was an ugly game, a, a game that seemed to gel that team. This team, though, there's a different feel in 2023, a team that's still lacking its identity a little bit with a long way to go. Yeah, and, and, you know, I, I just can't really buy into the comparison. I mean, we're talking about, I know, not a great SEC program, but 
at least it's an SEC program. Um, we're talking about the USF Bulls. Right, right. Um, I, that's that's the ugliest game of the Nick Saban era, in my opinion. Um, you know, the, the I think everybody is so focused, um, you know, hyperly focused on the quarterbacks. Um, but in my opinion, the, the, the issue with this team, you, you could bring Tom Brady in um, and, and, you know, he, he couldn't be successful behind an offensive line that's 123rd in the country in sacks allowed. Um, I don't understand the universe that I live in where the quarterback gets the hook for performing like he's not supposed to be there yesterday. Yet the left tackle is allowed to perform at the same piss poor level for four quarters, loafing around, acting like he doesn't give a shit, um, watching his quarterback just get blasted time after time and not even have the mindset of, hey, that was my fault. I at least need, at least need to help the guy up from the damn ground. Um, I think this the spotlight needs to be squarely on um, Eric Wolford and Tommy Reese. Um, at this point, I think it's more on Wolford. I never understood. Um, you know, I was brought up and educated in an offensive line play where you always want to have your two best players if they can physically do the job. You want your two best offensive linemen playing left tackle and right tackle. And I never understood why they didn't give J.C. Latham, you know, even a, a, a wink at left tackle, um, why they didn't give Booker a look at right tackle. And, you know, if you're going to throw the true freshman to the Wolves, you know, at least make it basic and say, son, look, all you have to do is worry about not getting beat inside. Don't even try and block somebody if they go out of your outside shoulder because we're going to have a running back or a tight end chipping them. You know, I, I think the the best thing that could happen for the 2023 offense right now is for Nick Saban to call a favor into Sark and Kyle Flood and get them to email their max protection section of their playbook to Reese and Wolford. Because something's just not clicking with those two guys. Um, you know, everybody's talking about how bad the quarterbacks are, and don't get me wrong. Um, it's certainly not the best uh, um, position I've ever seen, you know, the Alabama quarterback room be in going into game four of the season. But this this O-line stuff is just beyond abysmal. Um, I, I can't even believe I'm going to bring myself to say this, but, you know, until Seth McLaughlin hand heals up, you know, put, put uh, you know, Dow Court at center. And, and find another offensive guard because his snaps become more of an issue, um, you know, each week. You know, if, you, if you've got – and I'm not even talking about the ones that dribble back there. You know, if you're lined up in a, in a pistol formation and the running back's on your right of the quarterback and the play's supposed to go to the right and the ball is snapped to Ty Simpson's outside left shoulder pad, that totally disrupts the flow and the – the execution of the play. And, and I saw it happen multiple times yesterday. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, as far as the quarterbacks go, I mean, it's pretty cut and dry. Buckner didn't look like he belonged there. Um, 
you know, I thought Ty was thrown in into a pretty bad situation. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I think, you know, to quote Nick Saban, I think he managed it well. I don't think all the sacks were his fault. Um, and, you know, I, I think if he gains more confidence, there, there were some opportunities for him yesterday, you know, to extend drives. Um, and, you know, I think that was probably performance anxiety and nerves more than anything when you saw him, you know, slide a little bit too early one time. Um, and, and there again, you know, I, I think that, you know, Tommy Reese could do some things, um, you know, to make life easier on whoever the quarterback is, you know, move the pocket, um, you know, roll the quarterback out. Don't, yeah. don't ask him to stand back there and be a statue. Um, you know, you saw the best play of the day, you know, the same pass to Dupree. And uh, I, I just don't understand, you know, and, and it could be that he dials up, you know, stuff to the tight end five or six times a game. And because the O-line can't block and the quarterbacks can't go through their progressions, maybe that's the answer. But I, I just – it just seems like there's a whole, whole lot of instances right now where they're trying to put a square peg in a round hole. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I mean, I think a lot of the issues right now are the offensive line with they play with the way they played against uh, South Florida. They did get it going in the second half, and especially the fourth quarter, they rushed for over 200 yards. But uh, the, so the first half was just an atrocious performance. Probably, I would agree, William, the worst win of the Nick Saban era as far as performance goes. The worst loss being his first year at Louisiana Monroe, but he had a lot of turds in the program at that time. Uh, now, I mean, this is, you know, 17 years in, and uh, this group is sh- struggling just with basic things. Uh, I-, I would agree with you. I think that, uh, you know, I- I've, of course, been tough on Freddie Roach and Coleman Hustler, and I still don't think they're, uh, you know, very good coaches. But I, th- I do think it's, you know, as far as on the clock this week, Definitely Eric Wolford, Tommy Reese. I mean, you've got to put together a better plan than this. Uh, I would completely agree with you about helping, uh, you know, the, the left tackle, uh, Caden Proctor, who I think is going to be a good player, but is struggling a little bit. Uh, the edge rusher for uh, South Florida, I, I talked to my best source last night. He thinks the guy will be an NFL player, but still they didn't help him a lot. Um, and, you know, that to me, I just that was mystifying. And then, like, it's also – makes you shake your head like Jace McClellan he got benched in this game was playing pretty good but he got he uh he totally missed a pass protection as a senior it's just about what you said William he's got to help the the offensive tackle out if they're sending guys you got to help you got to chip you got to sustain a block there's no excuse for not doing it but I will say this my one game ball would go to Roy Dell Williams offensively um I thought he ran with a lot of passion and intensity uh, I, you know, I think NIL is a huge problem right now because of guys not wanting to practice, guys worried about their money, uh, you know, not being focused on the task at hand. Uh, but I think Roy Dell, being from Hueytown, Alabama, being an Alabama kid, uh, he certainly waited his opportunity. He could have left. I think it means a lot to him to play at Alabama. And I thought, unlike some of the guys offensively who seem to be just going through the motions, I thought he ran with passion and intent because sometimes he didn't have, uh, you know, great blocking up front. Uh, at times he, he it was second and third effort. He broke tackles and he helped the, and he, and he uh, basically 
uh, just help them close out this game. Uh, they've got to find some leadership and some passion, whether it be from a Roy Dell Williams or maybe when Booker comes back because he's likely after the back spasms, hopefully going to be back this week because certainly they need all hands on deck against Ole Miss because Ole Miss is going to come in undefeated and they like nothing better than to beat Alabama for the first time since 2015 and for the first time in Lane Kiffin's career and, of course, Mate Pete Golding want to know against his former employer. So they'll certainly come in here hungry and, and wanting to make a statement. And I'm going to be really interested to see how what kind of pride, William, this Alabama team has because I thought for the most the, the majority of the game, even though the weather conditions were not conducive and they did have to miss some time for, you know, an, about an hour. So it's probably, it was probably a good thing for them uh, to take a breath. But I just didn't – I didn't see the passion and intensity – that we're used to seeing from a Nick Saban team on Saturday. Well, I didn't see it on the offensive side of the football, but, but, right, you know, right. and granted it wasn't, it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, you know, a stellar performance on the other side of the ball, but, but at the end of the day, you know, they held the team to three points and that's all that matters. But, you know, I, I see a lot of, I see a sense of urgency. I see leadership. I see a lot of passion. You know, out of number thirty-two on defense, lost. Yeah, Deontay. I out of number, yes. at a, a number thirteen, Malachi Moore on, on, you know, back in the secondary. Um, you know, I think he's still got some rust to dust off. But but you can tell once he's full speed, Jihad Campbell's gonna that, that you know by the end of the year, I think Campbell and and uh, Lawson have a chance to be a nasty um, combo there at inside linebacker. And I and I got a. Uh, tip my cap to uh, you know the, I think this is the second week in a row I've said this um, the new inside linebackers coach Bob Robert Lala um, yeah yes you know his players play like he coaches um, you know you see his ass over there going absolutely unchained when a you know one of his players makes a big play or gets a big stop um, he, he's more excited for them than they are and you just don't see that um at a lot of other positions. I'm not saying it's not there, but you just, I know some of the coaches are up in the press box. Um, but, you know, I, I thought that, uh, you know, you're starting to see some, um, you know, some glimmers of hope, maybe at defensive line. I think Damon Payne's getting better. Um, yeah. I think Jamarian Latham's getting better. Um, you know, I think, you know, you saw on that one play when the quarterback got outside of the pocket, um, Dallas Turner looking like a laser beam coming across the field and tracking him down. Um, you know, and I think I think both he and Braswell have bright futures in the game of football. Um, I just want to see it on more of a consistent basis because, you know, that's what you see when you watch 32 and 13. You, you can tell it's important to them. Um, you know, I, I think the, you know, obviously the holding penalty on the kickoff return was unfortunate. Um, you know, the botched, you know, punt return for a fumble. Uh, but still, you know, I think Reichert and Burnup are doing their jobs at a high level. Um, it's it's just the elephant in the room, and it's a big one right now, um, is, you know, that, that offensive line. Um, you know, I, I think probably what you'll see this weekend, I, I agree with you. I think Simpson did enough and managed the game. Um, to where he's probably going to get the start. 
Um, you know, I don't know if they'll be designated series for Milrow. Maybe they get them involved in the red zone. Um, you know, I, I think there is some amends that needs to be uh, made on, on his part for um, his body language and attitude this past week in practice. But, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, this, this you know, we're, we're getting – we're a lot closer to midseason now than we are the beginning of the season. And, yep. uh, you know, this, this thing is not trending in the right direction at the moment. No, I mean, it, there's a lot of uncertainty. I mean, this is the – probably the least confident in an SEC game that I've been, I've been since one of the last times I picked Alabama to lose. I picked them to lose twice in the last decade or so. That was uh, in uh, the 2015 Georgia game in the rain, which Alabama ran through them like a hot knife through butter. And then the 2021 SEC championship game and Alabama won that one as well. I really don't know what to expect right now against Ole Miss. Ole Miss hasn't looked awesome. Nobody really has. I mean, you know, because remember, we were told all summer that Joe Milton was a first-round pick and that he was going to be a Heisman candidate. Well, they just got their ass destroyed by Florida on the road, and that's a Florida team that looked awful, uh, you know, two weeks ago at Utah, and Graham Mertz is 2-0 and against the great Joe Milton. So I listened uh, to some uh, Tennessee radio last night, and they're already ready for Nico Iamali money bags. So... <laughs> Um, you know, they, uh, they, they're ready to change quarterbacks and everything like that. So we'll see, uh, certainly, um, you know, I, I just think that, uh, it, it's, it's going to be probably a fork in the road for the end of Nick Saban's career. And what I mean by the end is this is the last, you know, uh, leg of his time at Alabama. And we're going to find out how he finishes, if he can fix this. And there's a lot of things to fix. I still think they're a very talented football team and, and, William, I will piggyback off what you said. Uh, I was mainly talking about the offense. I did think the defense, except for the defensive line at times, I thought they got pushed around a little bit. But the bottom line is they did only give up three points. Um, they, they, uh, they, you know, they gave up a few scrambles from the quarterback, let him get loose. But I thought they did a good job in the red zone. Uh, I thought Dallas Turner, he had ten sacks, two and a half – or, excuse me, two and a half sacks and ten tackles, pardon me. To lead the team he did a nice job uh you know braswell was in the backfield he i think he had three tackles for loss um you know i, I agree with you i think deontay lawson's trying to lead i think he did a hell of a job i think kool-aid's trying to lead i mean they they if, if yes yeah, uh, yeah. if jihad didn't get a stupid penalty and again he's just getting back then they and then uh you know that that wiped off an interception for kool-aid it was a great great coverage uh they did have a kickoff return uh, called back by uh, that was that would have probably had him with a ten point lead if they had not had the stupid turnover, uh, which was kind of a bad luck deal. Uh, but again, I think overall, uh, you know, so there is some things to to build on, uh, but they they're going to have to really dig deep uh, this week and decide what they want to be. And I'm talking about the leadership on the team, especially offensively. Uh, you know, I, certainly at the end of the game. Bill Rowe was trying to lead, so that that's good to see. He's trying to dig his way back into the good graces, as you already alluded to. Uh, he, he, he very well is probably going to get another opportunity uh, to play quarterback at Alabama because we'll certainly see, uh, you know, what, if Ty Simpson can play well. The offensive line is going to have to help him. Uh, and then these running backs. I mean, I'd like to see more of Jam Miller and, I think, Justice Haynes. I love the way that uh, Roy Dell ran the football 
But if you're not going to get any better effort down the stretch of a game from Jace McClellan, who has disappointed me so far, then play the young guys because Jace is supposed to be a leader on this team. He's supposed to be a running back that produces. But I still think they need to get all these running backs some touches because certainly I think Justice Haynes is a very talented player and, and so is Jam Miller. I'd like to see all of them uh, get some get get some opportunities to play. Well, and I, I think this probably sums up the first three games of the the 2023 season, Drew. You've watched a player who holds a seat on the leadership council of this team get benched yesterday in Jace McClellan. Yeah, because he just, he didn't do his job blocking. I mean, it was no sustained effort. He, I mean, he had, he had, had runs rushed for 70 yards, uh, you know, again, but that, that's just what it, that, that's how it is. Uh, you, even though you're a senior and you've played a lot of football, if you're not going to give effort like that and not help your quarterback and your teammates out, well, then you've got to make a change. And Roy Dell was hot. I mean, he was yeah. running with passion. You saw it. You, you played with guys like that. Uh, he, they needed to continue to feed Roy Dell. He was asking to be fed. And now I just hope, you know, Jam got in in the fourth quarter. I'd like to see him and Justice get an opportunity. That's what's going to make, uh, you know, uh, that, this, this week so interesting because there's a lot of unanswered questions. And, and Thomas, I was going to bring you into the conversation. There's really an, just an air of uncertainty when you're heading into your SEC Open or even at home against the team you haven't lost to since 2015. So this will be the second week in a row, Drew, that uh, the entire offensive group will want to burn the film. I think that Jalen Milrow, like I, I'm going to launch the hot take cannon. I think Jalen Milrow should never see the field in an Alabama uniform again. If you rewatch the Texas game, um, congratulations, you can throw 50-yard bombs. But you blatantly miss multiple open receivers, and we're not even talking about the ones that were flagrantly obvious. That's not going to change unless you radically alter the offense, which I simply doubt is going to happen. All of that's a sideshow to the fact that the offensive line is a turnstile, and Tommy Reese, I felt like yesterday he had a plan for Tyler Buckner, and then Ty Simpson got in, and he just, like, pulled out a whole new playbook that was radically different that I don't really understand. You know, two weeks ago, I thought it was mostly on Milrow. Film study has borne that out. I haven't had a chance to rewatch this game, but I think this week it's Tommy Reese's game planning and the offensive line just being disinterested in doing anything. I mean, the only polish I have for this particular turd is at least they finally started running downhill and Roydell Williams took the game over in the fourth quarter. But unfortunately, with that, is that really something you're going to hang your hat on, that you finally figured out you can go student body up the middle and run the ball? If that wasn't obvious before, I don't know what's going to make it obvious now. So I, I think that the uncertainty is going to be pervasive. I think that Ty Simpson should get the start uh, against Ole Miss. And I think you need to give him the vast, vast majority of first-team reps because, you know, he was splitting them in camp and even in the scrimmages that we heard of before the season, it was a toss-up in, in terms of who was working with what unit. So, you know, see what you got. But at the end of the day, 
I think the most alarming thing to come out of yesterday's football game was not even how poor the offense looked for vast swaths of that game. The uh, sideline reporter made the comment that, you know, I've covered Alabama for XYZ number of years, and nobody on the sideline was trying to be a leader and show passion and whatnot. And that's a very different thing from a Nick Saban coached football team. Now, you can kind of, you know, grin and say, oh, well, it's a young team, yada, yada, yada. But no, 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 no. We're going into game four. Like, congratulations. You have seen the ups and downs of the college football season, at least in microcosm, for everybody there. And they're going to have to figure it out. But it really does start with the offensive line. Um, And I think Tommy Reese needs to understand that he's got to go easy with this quarterback situation. Um, And believe me, Pete Golding worked with the vast majority of these players or saw them every day. If some of the stuff that started to trickle out in terms of Alabama showing plays because of how alignments are, that plus Golding just knowing what those offensive players did while he was on campus is kind of a deadly witch's brew. Alabama, just for fans, is favored by about a touchdown over Ole Miss. I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. And I'm leaning towards picking Ole Miss at this point, Drew. It, it's, it's a rough, rough feeling for Alabama fans four games heading into game four of the uh, season. So I, I looked. We were talking about that on the Bama recap on ninety-seven-seven Zone this morning. Steve Moulton thought that Ole Miss would be favored. I did not. I thought since the game was at Alabama, that as a matter of fact, I may be wrong on this, but my my best guesstimate was the last time Alabama was probably an underdog at home uh, in, in, the, in the Nick Saban era was probably the LSU game they lost his first year which they led in that game, and uh, LSU came back and won it and won the national championship. I believe they were probably an underdog. I know they were against the against the Tennessee, uh, you know, in the, during the uh, the uh, textbook gate, but Alabama won that game. But that was earlier in the season. But they were I bet you they were an underdog against that LSU team. That's probably the last time they've been a home dog. I thought it would maybe be Alabama by three. So you're saying it's Alabama by seven. But that's still one score, and I, I would tend to agree with you, Thomas. I mean, and, and I, let's I, just let's be honest, Drew. Sorry to jump in. The by seven, you generally get three at home. So yeah. in a neutral field, you're right. But go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I mean, t- trust me. I, I did not have a good weekend picking anyway because I picked them some bitches in Starkville, and they fell flat on their face uh, against LSU. I thought they could win a close game and move the ball, and LSU probably had the best performance of the weekend. They just absolutely eviscerated Mississippi State. And then I should have known not to pick Joe Milton. Uh, and I picked Tennessee in a close game over Florida, and the Gators whitewashed them. So you never know. Uh, but certainly, I mean, I, 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 it's going to be very interesting uh, going forward to see how Nick Saban and, and Tommy Rees handle this QB room and how the offensive line plays. I do think getting Booker back would help tremendously. Um, I don't disagree with William about McLaughlin. Now, if he's healthy enough, I think he should be the center. But if his hand is still a true issue, I say go to Dow Court and then put Terrence uh, T.J. Ferguson, excuse me, uh, in in at uh, right guard. I you know I I wouldn't be surprised if Booker comes back if we see Ferguson at right guard anyway, even if McLaughlin's healthy enough at center. But certainly it's going to be interesting to see what the game plan is. I would just like to see Ty Simpson with a a full week of practice. 
and see what he could do. Because the way I equated it, guys, and and I like is like I said, and I think I said it in the opening. Um, I, I I remember that I, I'm going to bring up another you know like scenario though, and it still involves Arkansas. Uh, when Mac Jones had not played a lot, and in 2019, Tua hurts his ankle, has to come out of the Tennessee game. Alabama's already up big, but uh, Mac came in. He did not play well. He kind of looked like still a scared rabbit, and Alabama didn't move the ball real well, uh, and they didn't finish the game strong. That Arkansas team the next week was horrendous under Chad Morris. About Probably about as bad as the South Florida team Alabama just played. And I was nervous that that game would be close because I wasn't sure – how well Mac would play, but he, I think he went 18 and 22 for 200 and some odd yards and Alabama just destroyed Arkansas. But of course he had Steve Sarkeesian, a quarterback whisperer, you know, calling the plays for him. We don't know. This is really going to be kind of a watershed moment for Tommy Reese to get a quarterback ready to me, because I want to see what, how Ty Simpson reacts if he gets a whole week under his belt to prepare and to be, to be the guy. Now he may not play well enough. Buckner didn't. Buckner was horrendous, and that's why he got benched. And so uh, he just doesn't look like he can throw the ball on this level right now, at least not at Alabama, for what they want to do. But this is going to be huge both for for Wolford and uh, for Tommy Reese and their long-term futures at Alabama, William, because I still think there's talent on this team, but you've got to figure out, if you're Reese, to develop a quarterback and put a game plan around him to help him succeed. And if you're Eric Wolford, this offensive line, they did play better in the fourth quarter, but they have got to pass protect better, and you've got to do some things schematically, whether it's chipping with running backs or tight ends, to try to help out these quarterbacks. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think that's been a, you know, re- really a problem um, going all the way back to the MTSU game. Um, you know, they were able to – you know, bulldoze a less talented team and kind of do what they wanted to do uh, to a certain extent. I, I, mean, I should say going back to post-MTSU game, um, you know, you, you go up, you know, um, in, in, you know, into the Texas game, and, you know, that's when things started getting exposed. And, you know, everybody, myself included, kind of thought that this was supposed to be you know, that get right game after the Texas game and hell, they, it was the get wrong game. Hell, it went <laughs> backwards. Um, so, you know, that's, that's the, my biggest concern is, um, you know, you got an opportunity, you know, this was supposed to be a game where you, you know, you, 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 uh, you clear the benches in the fourth quarter and, and right. you know, everybody can play versus, you know, still fighting for your life in the fourth quarter. And that's, you know, I get going out there and, you know, monkey dicking around in the first half and, you know, being a little bit being a little bit sluggish. Maybe you still got your dapper down from the Texas game. But, you know, for that thing, and, and they, again, that's that's another uh, thing that's, you know, kind of carried over from the Texas game. It's the second week in a row um, because of stupid penalties, um, you know, where they've allowed, you know, a team to hang around. And, you know, there, there's just no excuse. The, you can say whatever you want, be as politically as correct as you want, but there, there's no excuse for South Florida to still be in that ball game yesterday with six minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, it, they're not a good football team at all. Uh, you know, they just uh, – and they had been they – had, they had 
they had struggled with Florida A&M and lost decisively to Western Kentucky and been given up yards and points by in the by, you know by the bunches and it all goes back to the passing game well it's twofold pass protection because you got to protect the quarterback and then throwing the ball on time and throwing it accurately and Buckner had some opportunities even with the offensive line struggles to make throws and he couldn't make them uh tie for the most part the ball came out a little slow at times but he did make some big time throws now I will say this I William I'll get your comments on it uh, the one time where I really got disgusted with the play calling is Jace McClellan near the end of, uh, you know, of the uh, first half. He runs the ball down there to first and goal. You just put Ty in. He's a young quarterback. You've got first down at the nine. Why are you throwing the football on first down? To me, you run, you run the ball. You continue to take the pressure off the quarterback. And then maybe if you, even if you're successful, say you gain three or four yards, then you got a chance to maybe RPO it and then throw a touchdown because they have to respect the run. It was inverted. You, tr- you try to throw the ball. You don't protect. He has to throw it away to avoid a sack and a grounding, which I thought he alertly did. He threw it out there near Robbie Oots. And then you run it, you get stuffed, and then you get him sacked on third down. I just thought uh, that was kind of hanging your quarterback out to dry. No, it was, it was, and, um, you know, I, I just wish that, I don't know, I mean, it, it almost looks like, um, regardless of who the quarterback is, right? Um, you know, this, this was one of the biggest complaints about Bill O'Brien last year after, um, you know, Bryce got hurt was, you know, they, they didn't do, they didn't come up with a plan for Jalen Milrow to be successful against Texas A&M or to have a chance to be successful. I mean, I know we won the game, but that easily could have gone the other way. Um, but it, it's just, it, you know, I was expecting Tommy Reese to come in, especially coming from a, a situation where, you know, he was able to be successful at his previous school to a certain extent you know, without stellar quarterback play. I mean, he never had a Mac Jones or a Bryce Young. Right. Um, and, and so, it, I, you know, I watched him a lot, especially after they got hired. I mean, he got hired, and it, and it appeared to me that, you know, he had done a really good job up there of, you know, trying to construct plays around what his personnel was capable of and, you know, having some success with it. Um, you know, I, this, this, this offense has plenty of talent. Um, I, I just think that, you know, there's been a few personnel decisions that are head scratchers here and there. And, um, you know, you're, you're at the stage, you know, now where, you know, if you want this team to have a chance to be successful the rest of the season, you know, you got to sit down as a staff, in my opinion, and say, hey, you know, and, and I'll say this, I think if the offensive line was just decent and they're a long way from that right now um i i think ty would be the the choice um because i don't think he's going to turn the ball over um you know i would rather see my quarterback take a sack than throw a high school level pick right Um, that's what thomas was saying yeah and and but you know if if you know don't get me wrong i'm not i haven't given up on milroad he may give up on himself with his behavior but, you know, he, he does bring lots of things to the table 
but if that's going to be your choice, if that's going to be your pick, then, you know, pay Dan Mullen or uh, somebody to come in as a consultant and help him construct an offense for a, you know, a zone read uh, dual threat quarterback that really your passing game needs to be predicated on one read throws. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the only thing that worries me about Milrow, and that's why I said on Twitter right before we did the show that he'd be one hell of a Cordell Stewart level like all-purpose weapon is. I just don't trust him. And I think, Thomas, you kind of alluded to this, and I'll bring you back in the conversation. I don't even trust him in that because I just am not sure he's going to throw the ball accurately enough. Now, it's not about arm strength because he's got probably the strongest arm of them all, uh, he and Dylan Lonergan anyway. I think it's stronger than ties. But the problem with Milrow is Thomas made the, the point of reading. Even though, even if it's one read, he struggled with that. Because Williams, you just mentioned the high school level interceptions, which a lot of people are glossing over in their criticism of the performance yesterday. They're saying, "Well, just give Milrow a chance. He's a playmaker." Well, yeah, he's a playmaker. He made some great, some really good plays, but he also threw two interceptions that were horrendous that helped lose the game. So, I mean, it, to be honest, if those quarterbacks yesterday, Buckner and Simpson, had turned the ball over like he did, we're talking about a loss to a horrendous South Florida team, no question about it. So at least they did protect the football. Uh, but Thomas, my, my worry with, with Milrow is even with the one read spread option stuff, he still would turn the ball over, not throw it accurately. And another thing about Milrow, just from digging about his, his mentality is he doesn't want to run. He wants to be a mo he wants to be a pocket QB. And Thomas, you and I both know that is just not the case. He needs to use what the good Lord gave him, and that is 4-4 speed because, especially with this offensive line and their struggles, you don't need to be hanging in the pocket if you're if you're a Jalen Milrow. There needs to be bootlegs. There needs to be what William said, you know, move the pocket, use a, you know, roll the quarterback out and get him and, and not just be stationary back there uh, with the pocket crumbling. Well, okay, so – the Milrow thing is, is is to me it's completely silly, and here's why. Let's let's assume that Jalen Milrow starts against Ole Miss, which I do not agree with. I I think Alabama has a good shot of beating Ole Miss with Jalen Milrow. I think Alabama has absolutely no shot, no shot of going on the road to Texas A and M and winning that ball game. Because we've never seen Jalen Milrow in a road environment. We've seen him in the friendly confines puke all over himself two out of three times. So you lose the A&M game for sure. Um, Alabama's much more talented than the Auburn Tigers, but that's in Jordan-Hare, and weird crap happens there. And Jalen Milrow might throw a couple of interceptions. And that's that's pretty much – he's about the average of turnover a quarter at these days – so you're probably in a closer iron ball than you're comfortable with. And who knows what happens when an LSU team, that, who, which is very up and down, comes to town. And who knows what happens with this Tennessee team who's coming to town. So suddenly you're talking about a near-for-sure second loss against Texas A&M. And you're talking about four games that are in doubt – and you're going to have to rely on this kid's arm to keep up with some decent offenses. And he's shown a penchant to throw a beautiful pass 
and then throw arguably the worst pass of the Nick Saban era. I don't understand why this is a question because that's for sure with Jalen Milrow. He does not have the mental capacity to step up and read. He just, he, he doesn't. He won't. Maybe if you throw him through quarterback school for five or six years, he can get it. But it's not, the lights are not going to come on in a week and a half with this kid. You know what he has. You look at Ty Simpson, or even, this, it's the same logic you had with Tyler Buckner. Maybe, maybe some of these games that are like in this weird, I don't know what's going to happen, like like Texas A&M, let's take that. Maybe Ty, Ty Simpson can win that game. Maybe Tyler Buckner could have before yesterday. But Milrow's not going to do it. So do you want to consign the season to 8-4 and four with Jalen Milrow? Or do you maybe want to go 10-2, and 11-1 with a Ty Simpson? Because, you know, I get it. Ty Simpson was 5-9, and nine, 73 yards. There were problems galore with him playing quarterback. Notice what happened when, you, when the offensive line gave him a pocket and he threw a missile to C.J. Dupree? You know, Jalen Milrow does not make that throw. Well, he'll, he'll try, but it would have been probably either a little too long or a little too short and been intercepted. That's what you get with Ty Simpson. So for me, for my money, because Alabama is at a champ, is championship or bust, Ty Simpson now, where we are today, is the best one to get to a championship level. Jalen Milrow has almost no shot. And, you know, frankly... After half the stuff that has come out this week about his attitude, you know, being upset about being critical, I don't know how you think you would have gotten anything else when you turned the film on against Texas. Like, we talked about it last week. I don't need to go back over it. I know we're, 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 we keep beating on this, but what did you expect? Did you expect a cupcake for not seeing wide open receivers and the times where they were open, you just missed them? Like, what are we doing here, guys? So, you know, this this quarterback thing is, is just ridiculous to me. I'm not a guy that says expect eight and four from this talented a team. Because, again, by the stars of the recruiting rankings, and I know that's a bad metric for multiple reasons, Alabama's the most talented team in the country. That team should not be talking about that sort of season. But, you know, let's talk about Ole Miss a little bit. Because... You know, I do think this game is really, really interesting. The Ole Miss offense has been humming right along. They're second in the SEC with about 520 yards a game, and it's some run, some pass. You know, 350 passing, 170 rushing. Uh, so, you know, it's not one of those things where all they're going to do is do what Mike Leach did. They're going to hit you in a bunch of different ways, and the uh, Ole Miss quarterback, Jackson Dart, has been pretty good. You know, 66% completion percentage and, you know, a high QBR if you buy into those statistics. I don't want to touch all that. But I think there's a lot. This offense is going to be coming. And I don't think we can look at the Alabama defense realistically holding this Ole Miss offense under 30. I, I just don't. I don't. I think that I think we have to expect that Ole Miss is going to get theirs to a certain point, to a certain extent. And with that, you know, you got to get some move, get some movement on with your team. And so you kick it to the other side. Ole Miss's defense with old Pete Golding, who, you know, I said before, he knows offensive tendencies. Well, Alabama knows 
his tendencies as well. So that's a two-way street. The Ole Miss's defense has been, frankly, mediocre to bad through the first few games of the year. The best team they've played, to me, is Tulane, and that was without Pratt. Even though I said last week Tulane's a good football team, Tulane would really not have any fun playing Texas, put it to you that way. So I think the Ole Miss defense can be had. I think more than anything, it's – how you know? How does this thing all come together for Alabama? Are they able to run the ball? These same questions, the same questions we had against Texas are present against Ole Miss. Are they able to run the ball with efficiency? Can they at least have a serviceable passing game? I think they can. It's not like this Ole Miss defense is world beaters anywhere. So I think there's some reasons to feel optimistic. But at the same time, if the wheels fall off – and that could certainly happen for this Alabama offense, they're not going to be able to keep up with just kind of ho-dee-do-dee-do effort against USF. So I think there's a lot there. I do want to ask you a question, Drew, and then, William, if you can comment too. Do you buy into the narrative that has come across my desk multiple times that that game-ending drive yesterday against USF, the – Roydell Williams go turn into Godzilla drive. That's some sort of identity forming thing because the players were certainly excited when that last touchdown got scored. But, you know, do you buy that or is that just, you know, everybody takes a deep breath in your mind, Drew? Well, I mean, we'll see. Just ask me after the Ole Miss game. I mean, I I had somebody message me today and say, predict Alabama's record. And I said, well, I'll, I'll know a lot more after Ole Miss and the SEC opener. They, they played three games and no conference games. And, and, of course, Ole Miss knows them well. Dart, you're right, Dart's played pretty well so far. He wasn't the most efficient passer yesterday, but he threw for 251, no turnovers. Uh, you know, he had a touchdown. And then he used his legs. He rushed for 136 yards and two TDs. So far, Judkins is off to a slow start. He has four touchdowns. But he's only averaging uh, just under a shade under, I believe, four yards per carry. Uh, so, and matter of fact, it's just uh, just over three. So he's kind of struggled a little bit. But it's going to be a D, uh, an O line D line game. If Alabama has a shot, they have to contain the Ole Miss running game. If they do, I still don't think Dart can beat him. You know, with his arm, uh, I you know he I think he's a good player. But I, I just you know, I, and I know their their lead receiver was out too for Ole Miss, but. I still think the key is stopping the run because Lane, all his teams have run the ball well at Ole Miss. And Alabama, you know, Byron Young had a really big game last year. Somebody on that front has to have a big game. And then the Alabama front seven's got to control the line of scrimmage. And then offensively, Alabama's got to run the football themselves. Uh, they've got to control the ball. And then the, the quarterback, uh, you know, has to make good decisions and not turn it over. And uh, I think it's as simple as that, uh, you know, I, you know, it, it's interesting because I, I really don't know what to expect from this Alabama team as far as what to predict. Because again, I don't I don't know how, what the offensive line is truly going to look like. I have my theory. If you had to ask me, I said probably it'll be McLaughlin at center. The two guards will be Booker and Dalcourt, and then the tackles will of course be J.C. Latham and and uh, and and Caden Proctor. But are they going to help them out with the tight end? How are they going to make the game easier? And can Alabama, I think, because look, I looked at it, Georgia Tech had nearly 500 yards of offense. So to me, there will be plays out there, Thomas, to be made against Pete Golding's defense because their defense has been underwhelming so far. 
It's just going to come down to can Alabama, you know, possess the football and uh, not turn it over. And if they don't, and if they can get, get, like William said, if they can just get good offensive line play, not even dominant, which would help the quarterbacks out immensely and and, uh, the QBs protect the ball, then I think Alabama can win a close one at home. But I certainly don't expect a dominating Alabama win. uh, And I certainly believe Ole Miss has got more than a puncher's chance, William. I can't even remember what the question was now. Well, we were just going over, you know, what, 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 what is Alabama? Like what, what's the feel for what they're going to look like? And then the chance of the chances that Ole Miss has in this game, because I just think they've got a, a more than puncher's chance, Alabama, it's going to depend on Alabama's offensive and defensive line play. And then that will piggyback off of what the quarterbacks can do. Yeah. I mean, I think this is probably the, um, this is really going to be a fork in the road game and is going to tell us what we can kind of expect out of this team going forward. You know, if you can't get fired up about playing general conference opponent at home, um, then, then it's, it's time to really temper your expectations. Agreed. Um, I, I, I think that, you know, I think kind of you have to put, you know, based on what I've seen out of this Alabama defense so far this year, and I mean, I haven't watched a complete Ole Miss game. I've probably watched a half. Um, you know, I would have to put the over/under um, on the amount of points I think they could score against this Alabama defense, maybe at 28. Um, and you know, you have to decide: would you think they can hold them to under 28, or is it going to be more than that? Now, the flip side of that is. You know, based on what you've seen out of this Alabama offense this year, um, you know, take the MTSU game out of the equation. Um, you know, do you think that they can, you know, match or surpass that? And, and I think that's where, um, you know, to me, the, the the big debate in this quarterback deal is, you know, I, I think that where my problem with, uh, Jalen Milrow comes in is, you know, if you take his feet out of the equation, and that's a big, big thing to take out of the equation, but, you know, to, to be a consistent, good passing team, um, you know, it's such a low percentage um, when you start looking at, you know, completing bombs and, and making that the, the central part of your passing game. That's such a, a low percentage pass that most people are, um, you know, able to complete, you know, from the pass being thrown where it needs to be to the coverage being beatable. Um, you know, there's just a lot of variables that go in there. But I, I think this has been the thing that we've talked about since last spring. You know, who who do you think can do the better job of managing the game, um, moving the chains, and, you know, with with the way teams have been successful – including MTSU, of slowing the Alabama running game down, well, then what's the next avenue to, you know, picking up 10 yards, um, you know, in three plays during a a series and moving the chains? And that's a short to intermediate passing game. Now, does Tommy Reese have an epiphany and maybe he starts trying to run some uh, screen passes and some other stuff to negate blitzes? 
uh, that remains to be seen. But but common sense just tells you that the easiest way to get to where you want to go in in any football game when you're when you're comparing and contrasting the two quarterbacks is I think Nick Saban is going to go with the guy that has the higher completion percentage in practice um, that that can complete a uh, you know a, a ten yard down and out with accuracy that can throw a swing pass to the right spot in front of a running back um, you know to, to you know a guy that's not going to one hop it um, to a, a ten yard curl pattern um, because that's that's where a lot of weaknesses are in, in college defenses. Um, God knows it was the weakness in, in Alabama's defense for many, many years is that, you know, 15 to 20 yard patch of grass on, you know, the deep middle portion of the field. And, um, you know, to me, that's where I think the decision is going to have to be made, you know, this week based on what they see in practice is who's not going to turn the ball over to the other team and, and give away points. Um, and who's going to be able to move the chains on a consistent basis? Yeah, it really is. I agree. It's, um, you know, I, I don't know if it's crimson colored glasses or what. I'm ex- I'm going to put show some faith in the team and the coaching staff. I completely agree with William on the fork in the road, especially for Wolford and, and uh, Tommy Rees and their long term viability as coaches at Alabama, along with. Coleman Hutzler and Freddie Roach. I think all four of them right now are that's probably the pressure points for this team. Those four guys have, you know, got to do their jobs. Um, because again, uh, so much of the success against Ole Miss will be predicated defensively on the outside linebackers and the D line winning battles. And then the offensive line playing better, playing cohesive, protecting the QBs, opening up holes to run it. And then Tommy Reed's ability to set the quarterback up. Uh, and allow him to be successful, it's going to be huge. Uh, I, I do think, Thomas, I'm bringing you back in here. I, I, I would agree that Alabama has to score. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Lane Kiffin's offenses always do. Alabama is one of their greatest offensive uh, you know, uh, teams of all time in 20 that won the national title. They scored 63 and probably should have scored 70. And they needed it because Ole Miss scored 48. So the Rebels are, are you know, really good offensively. Uh, they pushed Alabama the last two years, even after that season. Both the games, uh, you know, were in doubt at times, but I thought Lane coached a poor game in Bryant-Denny two years ago. Alabama came out, took it to them, and put them away. Though Ole Miss made a game of it, but Alabama jumping on them was key. Uh, and then I thought last year Ole Miss went into it with a lead. Alabama made some adjustments, and Bryce Young made plays. Uh, but I, I think overall – I'm going to pick Alabama 34-27. I'm going to pick, you know, Simpson to step forward and play well. Uh, and maybe they use Milrose situationally. Uh, if he's if he'd buy into that, I certainly would. If he would, if he would help them, give them some look, different looks offensively. Uh, you just got to go to that. You, you, you've got to, you know, continue to evolve and, and, fi- and figure some things out with this group. And do what you have to do to get wins. If you, you know, whether you have to do some thing, different things formationally, uh, give Pete Golden some looks he hasn't seen. Then I think uh, again, that's up to to Tommy Rees and and Eric Wolford and this staff. But I'm going to show some faith uh, in this offensive staff to be able to put a good plan together. But I will say, if they don't beat Ole Miss, then uh, you certainly aren't having a championship season this year. 
And I think you should, from that point forward, uh, try to develop uh, Ty Simpson or or even Dylan Lonergan because I think it's over for, uh, you know, t- definitely for Tyler Buckner. And if they don't win uh, Saturday, then Milrow, because I, I'm like Thomas, he just doesn't fit. And then, you know, I, I would still think Simpson would have a shot, but then Dylan Lonergan would definitely be involved in the conversation because, again, you can play him in four games and still redshirt him, but this is definitely, Thomas, a fork-in-the-road game for Alabama, for this season especially. For this season, I agree with you. And, uh, you know, it's been – some places have the line at 11. Uh, it mostly has been bet down to that six and a half, seven level. And my problem with this team is, like, if it was one consistent, just one single problem, like just, you know, one thing that has reared its ugly head two or three times, that that would, you know, we that, that can be fixed or that can be kind of massaged around. But, you know, it was Texas too. We, in Texas, it was Jalen Milrow. It was mostly Jalen Milrow doing insane things. Okay. Then this week it was the offensive line taking what was a mediocre to meh showing against Texas and taking a giant leap back. Now, I understand Tyler Booker was hurt, and Booker's apparently one of the offensive leaders. So, okay, maybe the offensive line can take a step forward. But that majorly adversely affected the quarterback play, and suddenly you just have this absolute mess. Given the number of questions that continue to rear their ugly heads, and this completely ignores the fact that this was supposed to be an efficiency team, and the only time this offense has been efficient, and what I mean is putting together a drive to go down the field under control with efficiency, was the last drive of the third game of the year with USF. I'm not going to give the the team the MTSU game in stuff because congratulations, you're up 40 and you've got backups in. You broke them. Well done. You broke an inferior team. Have a pat on the head. Because of all of that, I don't magically think the efficiency is just going to come out of nowhere. I think it's going to be too inconsistent. And I'm going to take Ole Miss to beat Alabama. I'm going to take Ole Miss to beat Alabama in Bryant-Denny Stadium. There's too many problems on offense. And I'm going to go Ole Miss 27, Alabama 24. I really, you know, this is this is as rough a setup as I can remember for Alabama. Uh, this, you know, this is probably pre-Nick Saban stuff type craziness because I think that there are, I think the kids that like their money and don't like anything else are a poison in this locker room. I think there are those that can walk into a press conference and smile and make sympathetic mouth noises to what they need to do. And then when the rubber meets the road, they pout and get mad about it. And because of the changing landscape of college football, it's not like you can punt those guys off the team. So I think this is, this is, this is the beginning of a very, very rough road. If I'm wrong, Christ alive, give me a crate of hot sauce and I'll eat all the crow because I don't like being the negative Nancy in any part of my existence. But give me Ole Miss 27-24 over Alabama this upcoming Saturday, Drew. What kind of feeling? I know it's really early in the week, William. We won't really have a, a, a better feeling until much later after they prepare. But what, what are your thoughts? Well, 
halfway through the show, I had myself talked back into picking Alabama. And then I just started going through my list mentally of all the things that bothered me about the performance yesterday against South Florida. And this was at the top of the list. And maybe you can write it off to everybody was exhausted for, you know, almost a seven-minute drive to score the winning touchdown. But when that winning touchdown was scored, there was only two people that I saw that congratulated the guy that scored the winning touchdown. And I, I do believe that there's issues in the locker room. Um, I just don't have a good feeling in my gut about, you know, at least last year you had Bryce Young, not, not yeah. from the standpoint of him being the, the, the returning Heisman Trophy winner, but, you know, there was no doubt he was a leader. Um, but I don't know as it stands here on, on Sunday um, that there is one or even somebody trying to be one. Um, I, I think there's people that's like, like Thomas said, I think there's some people that stand up at that podium and, and talk a good game. Mm -hmm. and, and the point that he made about the money, um, I, I totally agree with. But, you know, I, I don't care if you hate Nick Saban. I don't care if you uh, want to blow your brains out when you hear Yay Alabama. You know, at the end of the day, put the money aside. You know, you, you got to be willing to go out there and lay it on the line for your brothers on that team. And I just haven't seen much of a brotherhood out of this unit so far. Maybe they proved me wrong this weekend, but I hope they do. But I, I, I'm going to duplicate Thomas's pick for a myriad of different reasons. But what I just described um, in the closing seconds of, of what should have been a massive celebration of victory. And it was just kind of like relief just to get off the field and, and, and go back to the sideline. Um, that should have been a very big celebratory moment for that team because their, their head coach asked them, I don't, I don't want y'all coming off this field until the game's, you know, the game's over with. And, and they, 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 you know, succeeded in doing that. And they just didn't see a lot. I just didn't see a lot of joy in the fact that, you know, hey, you know what, we basically embarrassed ourselves for, you know, three and a half quarters. But, you know, a win is a win. And I'll always, you know, go along with that. Um, but I'm going to duplicate Thomas's pick. I think I think it's going to be. What did you say, Thomas? Twenty-eight, twenty-four. I took twenty-seven, twenty-four. But you know, yeah. I, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll go twenty-seven, twenty-four. Old Miss, and I hope I'm wrong. Well, I mean, I, I again, I I, uh, I picked Alabama, and like I said, I you could say some maybe I'm some crimson colored glasses. I'm I'm expecting the team to come together and and, and fight and try to get this home win. If they don't, then I, I will just say that uh, it, th this will be a lost season. Uh, I don't think there's any question. I think it will be a at least a four-loss year uh, if they do not beat Ole Miss because they've got better football teams that they're going to have to play, like the LSUs of the world. Um, and, and, again, we I don't even think we really know how good some of these teams are, even in the SEC. But certainly, uh, you know, I was impressed with LSU over Mississippi State yesterday. And the way they moved on from Florida State, they certainly 
look like they're balanced, look like they're cohesive right now, that they're not dysfunctional. Uh, certainly Georgia, they had a gut check at halftime, uh, and Alabama won't, wouldn't play them in the regular season, but they're a, a really good football team that looks like they've got everybody still uh, on the same page, even if it isn't pretty uh, all the time. So, I mean, in Alabama, certainly Tennessee is going to come in there hungry. They they looked awful the other night, but, you know, there's still a lot of football for them uh, to be played. And so uh, that that's going to be a very tough game for Alabama. Going to Auburn will be very, very difficult. Going to Texas A&M, who's a talented team, uh, who just, you know, can't seem to get out of their own way at times. But, again, this is going to be just so huge for so many reasons uh, coming up. So, uh, but, again, and to close out the show, uh, I, I did want to give a quick shout-out and because uh, Alabama got a big commitment last night, kind of flew under the radar. It was late, uh, and it was after Alabama had already won the game, and it was really more toward the end of Florida, Tennessee. But they got QB Reese committed. A linebacker I really like. He's a little undersized from uh, Ramsey and uh, Birmingham, but he's extremely smart. I've watched him play basketball uh, for, uh, for for my good friend Denton Johnson for a few years, and he's uh, the son of uh, uh, Quentin Reese, who played at Auburn. And that uh, was a really good player. Uh, but QB is a little over six feet tall. He reminds me a lot of Sean Dion Hamilton. I think he can be a very productive player. I know he earned his offer at camp. And I'm looking forward to, to seeing him develop. Uh, he's the 20th commitment to the class for Alabama. Uh, I think it will mean a lot to him to play at the university. I don't think it's all NIL related with him like it is with some of these guys. And so we're going to see how much heart some of these Alabama football players have because it should be embarrassing to that offense with the way they played and they're not playing up to their capabilities. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is from the standpoint of, especially if Milrow and his father have not been, you know, a, a, taking care of their own business. Cause again, I, I do think Milrow has been in the doghouse. I'll just say that. Uh, and I mean, his father chirping after the game is not helping. Uh, and so uh, it doesn't help the, the locker room either. So, it's going to be a really interesting week because Coach Saban and the staff are going to have to keep this team together. Uh, you know, Jalen uh, looked like he was trying to lead yesterday. We'll see if that translates to the practice field, whether he's the starter or not. And we'll see how united this Alabama team looks against Ole Miss. If they're fractured, they will not win this game. Uh, but if they do band together and if they do come out cohesive, then Alabama will beat Ole Miss because I think Alabama is the more talented team. But Thomas has already mentioned that but they have to start putting things together. This is game four. This is big boy football in the SEC, and they have to come out and play complimentary football. If they do, I think they can get a win uh, and be 1-0 in the SEC, and it'll it'll calm a lot of the masses. If not, uh, then this will truly be – there will be people questioning the long-term viability of this team this year and uh, what Nick Saban needs to do to keep this program a top college football. No question about it. It's It kind of reminds me of – uh, when I think there was some doubt, too. I, I remember when Hugh Freeze first came uh, to Ole Miss and he brought Ole, the Rebels into Bryant-Denny Stadium and Alabama had been playing poorly uh, and, they'd be, and they won 22 to nothing behind C.J. Mosley because uh, they had kind of been playing what people thought was disjointed, fractured football. And I believe that was in uh, 2000, uh, you know, in, 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 in uh, I want to say it was around 2013, I think. Because it, because when you when you think about the seasons in odd years, Ole Miss comes to Alabama. Uh, so I think it was the 2013 season 
and that team, that Alabama team, gelled, started coming together, and and and, and shut out Ole Miss. So we'll see what happens on Saturday, but it's going to be really interesting and really a fascinating week and game to watch, and should be a very lively discussion no matter the result uh, next week for Mams Radio. But I will say this: I appreciate Thomas for uh, you know producing the show, getting us back out here. Uh, I know we had a little bit of a, a glitch and we had to restart. I appreciate you, Thomas. Great work. Uh, appreciate William for his time. And we appreciate everybody. We appreciate you uh, encouraging us and listening to BAMS radio. I know a lot of people were already asking about what our show would be like today. I thought it had some very interesting discussion. Uh, some very, uh, some, I thought everybody gave their, their honest take and where this team is. We really don't know. We're going to find out a lot about it. Uh, and again, I'll just reiterate what I told somebody earlier today. They asked me about Alabama's record. We will know a hell of a lot more uh, in another seven days when we're back here recording next Sunday after Alabama plays the Ole Miss Rebels at home. But with that, I'll uh, wish everybody a great rest of your week. We appreciate you for supporting BAMS Radio, and uh, we'll talk to you next Sunday, and roll tide. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.